Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to episode 5 of Across the Board. Across the Board is a podcast on boards of directors and corporate governance. We take a look at issues relating to the board of directors and those who report to the board of directors. Today, I present an episode on visuals and visualization of data in your board presentation. I visit with Joe Orengel, co-founder of Visual Risk IQ, who's made multiple presentations to boards of directors of data based upon the company's data mining and data analysis. We talk about how a board would need to see data, which would allow an unstructured dialogue and the understanding of data and its visualization can lead to more effective board oversight. We also consider how to identify anomalous transactions using visualizations. For those who might be presenting data to a board, it's a fascinating discussion of the things that you can utilize in your board presentations. For board members who may be listening to this podcast, it gives you an idea of what you should ask for from your internal audit, chief compliance officer, or other data-driven presentation. Across the Board is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back for another episode of Across the Board. Today, you are in for a real treat because I have my good friend and colleague, Joe Orengel. Joe is a co-founder of a company called Visual Risk IQ. He's also an internal audit specialist. And Joe has come up, uh, Joe and his partners have come up with a way to not only extract data, but actually present it uh, in a way that is very interesting, very useful, and very informative for a very uh, variety of stakeholders, including boards of directors. He's made presentations to boards. He has um, been an internal audit. He's had a wide variety of corporate positions, which have allowed him to gain some very uh, good insight into what he thinks a board would need. So in today's podcast, I'm going to visit with Joe. Joe is going to talk to us about the types of information that can lend itself to a visualization, which he will probably say is just about any information. But if you are reporting to a board, it's certainly something that you could consider. But the other insight Joe brings is he talks about what a board would want and what a board should ask for and what a board of directors would want in a dashboard of information or as he will use the term unstructured dialogue. So, Joe, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, uh, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me. By all means, Tom. Glad to glad to catch up today and happy to to share some examples for uh, for some things that are top of mind. Well, Joe, let's start with the name of your company, Visual Risk IQ, because you you come from a quantitative background, or at least professionally. Uh, and you and your partner, Kim Jones, have really worked very diligently to help create a business around the visualization of data. So maybe I thought it would be interesting if you could just tell us a little bit about that journey. Sure. Well, um, it, as you know, we've, uh, we've been at this quite a while. November of uh, last year marked 10 years that Kim and I have, uh, have been running and, and helping our clients. Uh, the way that we describe our firm, Tom, Visual Risk IQ helps audit and compliance professionals see and understand data. So what we do is understand the business questions that management and the board want to know the answer to and connect those questions to the digital data sources at the company so they can have a a data-driven 
dashboard and data-driven conclusions based on, on what's happening inside inside their organizations. Uh, you might say that the data is both our first and middle name. <laughs> well, Joe, the um, one of the terms I've heard you use in the context of a dialogue around data is an unstructured dialogue. And you take data, you present it in various visual formats, but it allows a um, executive leadership team, a management team, or more importantly, a board of directors to get a sense of a wide variety of data that you can present to them in, in one slide or, or uh, one presentation. But it's it really le- leads to what is the ultimate goal of a board is to have a very robust dialogue. Could you explain that concept to us and maybe give us some examples? Sure. I can talk about a, a current project that we're working on, which is um, focused on a fraud risk assessment for a, a university. The, um, the institution wants to have a, an up-to-date fraud risk assessment measure for every department at the university. What they're doing in this environment is they're seeking more of a dynamic internal audit plan. They know they're going to go out to 10 or 12 departments over the next year, but they're not sure which 10 or 12 departments they want to, to go visit. They're really looking for the data to speak to them and to give them direction on what the high-risk or even low-risk um, departments might be. So we've got a number of data sources, budget, um, employee turnover, uh, financial performance, actual versus budget, other criteria that are driving this fraud risk assessment. And what's wonderful about it, in addition to being visual, is it allows a a very much a a free-form dialogue with, um, with management or the board. The, uh, the when I think back to my days in internal audit, one of the things that I didn't like um, about our preparation style, and, and if this is not a knock on PowerPoint, but it's a it's a knock on all presentation techniques. That is, you build your outline. What are the points that I want to say? You have an order to them, and if the order that you have you have drawn up in your outline is not what the room wants to hear, it's very difficult to bounce around from slide one to slide 20 to slide 40 um, because the, the way that PowerPoint is very, very linear. So what we like about this fraud risk assessment dashboard is we have data-driven uh, ratings for every unit at the institution. And if you want to see it um, aggregated, you want to see the risk measures aggregated at the department level with one or two buttons, the, the top 10 departments will jump to the top. With just the, the click of a mouse, if we want to go from department to sub-department, now the, the top 10 list changes. And it's that ability to have more of a dynamic or an interactive conversation with the data that we're hearing is, um, is really well received by uh, both management and the board. 
So, Joe, um, what would you suggest that a board of directors ask for or request from someone like yourself, someone from internal audit, around a fraud inquiry? Uh, would uh, would the audit committee be the uh, appropriate subcommittee to present to? But I'm trying to get a sense of, uh, and the listeners to this podcast are many board members who are really struggling with, what should we be asking for in the way of data? The way that we would suggest um, is, is to first understand the framework that information is being presented. That is, what is the overall risk assessment at the organization, what is the overall control assessment at the organization, and to be sure to, to separate the risk assessment from the control assessment. Um, are we interested in what are the entities that, that represent the, the greater risk for the, for the institution, or are we focused more on how are those organizations doing at managing and mitigating um, against those risks? Understanding the framework and how um, both likelihood and impact for uh, risk and control assessment, I think that framework is certainly a very good place to begin. Secondarily, I, I would definitely encourage board members to ask about not only what's being presented, but perhaps what's, what's not being presented. One of the, the most thoughtful questions I can recall, Tom, from uh, an audit committee meeting that I was involved with years ago, the audit committee chair said, great, I'm glad to see that these are the, the 15 things on our plan for this year. If you had additional resources, what would be the two or three additional projects that you'd want to add to the plan and why? Also, if you had less resources, what are the two or three projects on this list that you might say would be the first to go? And that, that question and answer provoked um, a really healthy discussion on whether the audit and compliance functions were properly resourced and gave everybody in the room in the end of the, the discussion the right confidence that we did have the, the right items in the audit plan. In a, uh, in a data-driven world, again, this is a 15-year-old discussion that I'm describing, but in a data-driven world, then I can certainly say, well, here's our top 10 list, a couple of mouse clicks away, here's the top 20. So now these are the items 11 through 20 that are not on the top 10 list, we see the risk scores for those additional items relative to the ones on the top 10. Now do you see why we drew the line where we did? You see how if we raise the, the water and only focused it a fewer number of rocks that are rising above the water line, um, where the new cutoff point would be. And again, in a, a visual reporting world like we operate in now, I think the, the ability to expose more or less, depending on the risk tolerance or risk appetite of a, um, of a board, would be a really effective way to have that discussion. 
Joe, one of the things I've struggled with when I made presentations to the board, to a board, is I want to make sure that all information is available, if not presented in a tabular form, and so that it sometimes just becomes true information overload. Are there any particular uh, visual presentations, such as a scatter shot or something along those lines, that you found is useful to the board? in them being able to fulfill their obligation of oversight, something that really gives them trends that if they want to, they can uh, certainly take a deep dive into, but you, you can explain the trends to them and they can question you back based upon that explanation. Sure. Well, we're, we're a big fan of um, an author named Stephen Few. And Stephen Few describes seven or eight different visual reporting techniques that are ways to communicate data. And I think if you and I looked at the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or reputable publication, and we looked at the charts and graphs that they are including in support of their data, we'd, we'd begin to see some patterns ourselves. We'd see a time series chart, right? How is stock price performing over time? How are interest rates performing over time? I'd want to see some ranking charts. Show me how our company compares relative to others in our industry as it relates to certain measures around sales or growth. Um, that might be a ranking chart. And as I read through the the different kinds of charts that are available to me, um, I think there are some charts that are certainly more effective than others in communicating the business, the answer to the business questions that boards want to know. So, if I could turn the um, the topic to uh, anomalous transactions, because in the the world of compliance. That is certainly one of the areas that could give rise to a red flag or even smoke that needed to be investigated for a fire around a potential FCPA violation. How do you identify anomalous transactions with visualizations? Certainly. We've um, the, the couple of techniques back from how Stephen Few talks about graphs. Um, a couple of those techniques that are really helpful are distribution charts and ranking charts and also deviation charts. A deviation chart, Tom, and I'll describe some work that we've done around academic integrity here in the Carolinas, um, comparing the grades of student athletes in certain classes to general students in those same classes and also grades between the athletes um, in classes that have a large concentration of athletes compared to grades in classes where there's not that large clustering of, um, of athletes. The chart techniques are to show me the deviation between how one particular data point compares relative to others, right? We all know a, a student who earns a, a B minus on a, a particular exam 
And without some more information about that student, we don't know if the B minus is a good thing or a bad thing. So comparing the the deviation, the distance between that student's grade in one particular class compared to that student's grade in all of their classes, that might help provide a clue. Is there something untoward happening with a particular professor or a particular department? So again, the technique is to show the deviation, the distance between um, one data point and other data points, and also the distribution, that is how many A's, how many B's, how many C's by class, by professor. While that example is specific to our work in higher ed, I can certainly very quickly make the transition into finance. And when I think about reviewing expense reports and finding uh, potential red flag um, as it related to FCPA compliance and understanding compliance with an organization's travel policies, um, we often look with data for measuring compliance with um, expectations around entertaining um, customers, prospective customers with a particular focus on employees of state-owned enterprises, governmental entities. A policy might be breakfast plus lunch plus dinner can't be more than $75, and we don't want any of our uh, staff to spend more than a fixed dollar amount per uh, per day on meals while they're traveling. If we write an exception report that says, show me all employees that have spent over that X dollar amount, and we have a very compliant organization and nobody has spent more than that amount per day per person, then I could get a false sense of security because the um, the the data-driven audit reports would tell us everything is in compliance um, because we have no exceptions. But if I do a, a scatter plot, some sort of a distribution plot, and I see that I have one salesman who spends 72 or $74, between 70 and $75 on business meals every day during the course of a month or a quarter, and their guest every day is the same governmental actor or uh, employee of the state-owned enterprise, seeing a scatter plot and comparing total spend to total spend by other people on the, the sales force, it's going to be very clear that I have a problem with the amount of spend by the biggest spender relative to the amount of spend by the second biggest or third biggest spender. So a, a scatter plot, something that shows the distribution of spend and also the deviation from average or the deviation from the more typical spend, those are going to be red flags that an audit department or a compliance department can use to provide a higher level of assurance on compliance with things like FCPA. Anomalous transactions are 
very much the, the forefront of what we do on a regular basis with data analytics and particularly visual reporting. Well, Joe, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if anyone wanted to follow up with you, uh, could you direct them to either the company website or tell them how they might be able to get in touch with you? Sure. Well, uh, tweet at us at, uh, at Visual Risk IQ, V-I-S-U-A-L-R-I-S-K-I-Q, at Visual Risk IQ. Our website is visualriskiq.com. And we've got a web form on there saying contact us. So welcome any additional questions from anyone on the podcast. Again, thank you for the, uh, the invitation to talk a bit today. And um, I hope our listeners found the, uh, the, the time and examples very, very insightful. Well, thank you, Joe. I've been visiting with Joe Orengel, co-founder of Visual Risk IQ, a company that not only extracts data and helps you interpret it, but it puts it in a visual format, which makes it easier for the lawyers of the world uh, to take a look at it. Um, so, Joe, thank you, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Across the Board. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the newest podcast relating to boards of directors, corporate governance, and their roles going forward in risk management. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you will join us again for another episode next week of Across the Board. Across the Board is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.